0: This is the Savvy Parent Podcast, where lawyer and financial planning expert Shannon McNulty and her guests share tips on how to make smart legal and financial decisions for your family. On this episode, Shannon McNulty, New York lawyer in McNulty Law, discusses how to help your parents get their estate planning documents in place. Parents with young children need to not only think about their estate plans, but it's also important to make sure that your own parents and in-laws have their estate plans in order as well. On this episode, we discuss what happens when an estate plan is not set up well, or not at all, how to discuss this sensitive subject with your family members, and Shannon shares information for families who have parents outside of the U.S. There are special considerations for international individuals. Enjoy all of this and more on this episode of the show. Shannon, I'm excited that we are back for our next episode of the podcast. How are you today?
1: Hi, Sarah. I'm great. It's a little warm out today, it's uh middle of July, but, uh, but yeah, I'm at my family's lake house, so that's been
0: really nice. How nice. I know. I think this time of, um, I was going to say year, but this time of life, it's good to be able to just get away a little bit and maybe we can do some things that we wouldn't normally get to do this time of year because the world is just so different right now. Yeah. There's so many things we can't do, but we can swim in a lake, so that's really yeah. nice. <laughs> it's good that you can. And so I think, you know, the, the topics that we talk about really are, are timeless. And we've spent a lot of time on the show and even on your blog talking about our own estate planning. And your clients tend to be um, families with young children. And so we really want to be clear on what we need to take care of that affects us. But there's another piece of this puzzle that we're going to talk about today, which is our own parents and their estate planning. And that can be kind of a tricky subject. So I'm glad we're talking about it today.
1: Absolutely. It's something that comes up a lot. And so I'm really glad that we're talking
0: about this topic. So I feel like we always start with kind of the obvious, but it's good to clarify. Why is it so important to make sure that our, I don't want to offend anyone, but our aging parents need to have an estate plan in place?
1: Well, there's a a number of reasons. So one, it's really important for themselves, just, you know, for our parents to make sure that things go the way they want to go so that the, their assets go to the people who they want to have them, that they are protected in the way that they would want. And also a big, another, another part of estate planning for older people is um, long-term care planning and even capacity planning. So also just making sure that they're cared for how they want to be cared for.
0: Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I think a lot of times when we think estate plan, it's sort of the worst case scenario of if someone passes away, but then there's also, like you said, if someone needs long-term care or becomes incapacitated, that's another really important piece. So what happens in these worst-case scenarios if the proper plans are not in place and if the client's wishes are not written down as part of a formalized estate plan?
1: Sure. So it's just a bad situation all around, to be honest. It's bad for for you as, as their child, as an adult child. Because you're dealing with this mess and you're trying to figure out picking up pieces, going through their mail, figuring out you know what assets they have, what they don't have, what kind of uh, if they have any long-term care policies. If they pass away, then you're trying to figure out the same thing: what assets did they have? Who did they want them to go to? Are there any you know sibling issues that have to be addressed? So whatever. So a lot of times I address this issue as you know. I know it's hard to talk to your parents about this, but at the end of the day, it's going to affect you tremendously. And also for your own, you know, your own parents' sake, that you want them to make sure that they're taken care of, that their things go to how they want to go. And, um, it just, it's really, I tell clients like who are reluctant to do it. I'm like, it's just a matter of self-care. Like you really just need to do it because it's going to sort of, it's like a ticking time bomb for a lot of people.
0: Right. And we've mentioned a couple of times in past episodes how when you take care of these pieces for yourself, it's like you can breathe a sigh of relief. Like it's so stressful to think about having to tackle these big important pieces. But then once you've done it, you're like, oh, okay, I've done that. I have my life insurance. I have my estate plan. I feel good. And I think this is a piece that we might overlook or maybe just ignore because it's a very sensitive and touchy subject for ourselves and for our our parents and our other family members. So, What what happens if someone becomes incapacitated and they don't have um, the assets to cover their long term care? What what might your clients do, or what do you advise in that sort of situation?
1: So, for clients whose parents uh, they, if they don't have long term care insurance, sometimes even if they do, if they're really concerned about preserving assets for the next generation, that a lot of times what we'll do is create uh, what we call a Medicaid trust and the only government program that's available for for long-term care and long-term care refers to assisted living and it refers to nursing home care it can refer to home care what it doesn't refer to is it's kind of weird that we have this separation in our country but we have like there's a distinction between long-term care and health care and medicare covers your medical expenses and health care if you end up in the hospital But then if you are no longer need to be in the hospital, but you need to be in rehab, if you need to be in a nursing home, if you need, you know, home health care, then that's something that Medicare is not, does not cover. And a lot of people don't realize that. And so if you, you know, your private health care insurance isn't going to pay for it. If you have long-term care insurance, that is, that's what would cover it in that episode or in that scenario. The other way, sometimes people can't afford long-term care insurance or long-term care insurance doesn't cover all of their expenses. And what would happen in that case if sort of like the assets were depleted is that you would go on Medicaid and Medicaid is the only government program that provides long-term care uh, services the catch to medicaid is that you cannot qualify for medicaid unless you are very poor basically unless you have no assets at all i think the you know the threshold is like $2000 in your bank account or something like that so a lot of times what people will do is they transfer some of their assets out to their kids or to a trust for their kids the home is the probably the most critical asset that we deal with in these situations So we transfer the home into a trust, Medicaid trust, we call it. And the parent still has, the owner of the home still has the right to live in the home. But then once they pass away, it goes to their kids. And by doing that far enough in advance, and it's currently five years in advance of applying for Medicaid, Medicaid won't consider that as an asset. So you could still be living in your home and still qualify for Medicaid. And the house won't end up being taken by the government because you've spent too much on you know you've been in receiving Medicaid for too long
0: wow that's really good information and is that across the country or is that specific to New York where you practice it's across the country each state
1: has its own Medicaid program and its own specific rules but I believe that the five-year look back is applicable for all states but you definitely want to check different um, rules apply in different states but generally this is these rules apply for the most part, but there might be some details that differ from state to state.
0: Got it. And with that big sort of lead time, these really are things that we should be looking at really right now to make sure that if the unfortunate circumstance occurs, that all of these really important pieces are in place. So if someone knows that their parents maybe haven't looked at these pieces or they think their parents have, but they don't really know what they've gotten set up or what it actually entails, how do you recommend that um, we can bring this up with our aging parents? Because this is such a sensitive topic for them. For us, it involves money, which can get a little sticky for families sometimes. So, how can we start this possibly awkward conversation? Yeah, it can be really, really
1: difficult. And I think that's really the the biggest reason why people don't bring it up with their parents. But I think that the best way, because I think uh, how they think of it is I'm asking, when are you going to die so I can get money? Like what money am I going to get when you, you, when you're not here anymore? And of course, nobody wants to ask their parents that that's not like what they're concerned about, but it is, like I said, it's really important for the parents and and it is important for for the kids because they're going to end up dealing with this one way or another. So what I often recommend is telling them, listen, you're here talking with me about your planning. So isn't this a great time to talk to your own parents and say, listen, I was talking to my estate planning attorney. I was doing my will to make sure we have everything taken care of. And she asked me to make sure that you have your documents in place. So I always tell them, blame me.
0: I love that. Thank you. We, we appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But I think really just saying like, we're doing this. And so now is a good time to be talking to you. So it's not just like, you should be doing this. It's like, this is something we're thinking about ourselves. We have to know how your planning affects us as well. And that's that's a conversation. I think that's a really good way of approaching it.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. And would it be appropriate that your client then refers their parents back to you? Or should this be a separate estate planning attorney? I know you specialize um, in parents with young kids. But does it make sense that it's the same lawyer handling different pieces of the family? A lot of times
1: I do the the parents planning as well, and we can coordinate it with the the children's. If there are sort of like a lot of complexity and there's maybe some tension between the siblings, then that's a case where it might be better to get, or if there's any tension between the parents and the. The child, you know the adult child, my client. Um,
0: then, in that case, then it's better for the parents to get a, a separate lawyer. Right, that makes sense. Now, I'm sort of imagining in a best case scenario, there's this great open communication, and the kids know exactly what the parents have planned and what their wishes are, and they're on the same page about executing those. But that might not always be the situation. So, how is important is it that the kids know exactly what their parents wishes are and what's in the documents or is it just enough to know okay this is handled and it's in place and when the time comes i will see the details and i will run with that do we need to know details or do we just need to know it's handled and i'll take care of it when i need to
1: so ideally it's best for parents to talk to their children and their adult children about what they have in place and It's just because it's better for it not to be a surprise than it is for it to kind of like find out and just figure out what all needs to be in place. Some parents are more private and they don't really want to share that information. And in that case, what I say is, you know, it's fine if they don't want to share that information, but make sure you know who is their emergency contact. Maybe it's a lawyer. Um, Make sure they've talked to a lawyer, not that, that just they did this online or something like that make sure there is some other party who knows what all of these documents are that they've been done properly and what's in place and that so that if something does happen to your parents you're going to be the first ones to know about it not the, their lawyer right so you need to know who it is that to contact to see you know what needs to be done so what i tell them is if your your parents are are really private and they don't feel comfortable sharing that information That just tell them, you know, I just want to make sure you've talked to a lawyer and so, and have everything in place that needs to be in place. And I have the information for that
0: lawyer so that if anything happens, then I I know who to call. So it sounds like at the bare minimum, we would want to make sure we have the contact information for the lawyer who is executing all of those pieces. In a best case scenario, would it make sense that we have copies of this documentation? Like what would be sort of the best case, everyone's very open and working together scenario?
1: Yeah, have copies of their estate planning documents. So, you know, any wills, trusts, powers of attorney, healthcare proxies, have know where the originals are located. So wills require an original document to be submitted to the court. So even if you have a copy of that, that may not be sufficient. You need to know where the original document is. And then also I would say on top of like those documents is the financial assets behind those. So, you know, what, where their bank accounts are, how much, you know, they don't, you don't have to know it to the, to the penny, but what I usually tell people to share is like the last four digits of the bank account and the name of the bank. And so if something did happen, then they know, okay, this, you know, this bank account, um, this is where the money is, you know, we need to use it either for their own care, or through their estate, Then we know where to get it life insurance policies, all of those things that I go through with my own clients, then their parents should have all of those things in place as well. So that you should know what, you know, what assets your parents have, again, if it's not something that they feel comfortable talking about, financial advisor, the lawyer, just make sure, you know, a lot of lawyers don't cover these other things of like, like what kinds of assets they have and keeping those, the lists of those things. So make sure that somebody has them, whether, you know, it's a, a lawyer or a financial advisor is a great person to, to sort of keep track of all of these things and that they can really help to trans, make that transition if the client becomes incapacitated or if they pass away.
0: Great. That's really helpful, I think, to know sort of both ends of the spectrum, right? Of the best case scenario when there's this open communication and people are able to really have some of these tough conversations. And then what happens maybe when the families are a little more tense, like you said, or someone's a little more private in the scenario, the bare minimum, what you want to have access to so that when you need to take over, you can. Now, I know you work with a number of individuals whose um, parents, their aging parents reside outside of the United States. So what considerations need to be happening or what are the differences when your own parents are not living in the U.S.? So...
1: So, it it definitely makes a pretty big difference um, in both because of the tax laws, all of the rules that would apply. So, um, if your parents are outside of the US, they really need, especially if they're not a US citizen, they're not a permanent resident here, and they, you know, their primary citizen, you know, place of residence and citizenship is in another country, then those, then their documents have to be done through a lawyer in that country. And there are all kinds of different roles in different countries. So, so it just is going to be a lot of different considerations than you have here, but you just want to make sure, again, that the same kind of thing that like you, they've coordinated with someone in that country and so that, you know, and that's even more reason to know like what it is that they have, because it might be a lot more difficult to try to access foreign bank accounts than it is to access us bank accounts. So. You want to make sure that, you know, all of those documents are in place. And it's even more important, I would say, than even with your, your family is, is all in the U.S.
0: Right. And regardless of where the parents are living, are there any sort of different considerations that we need to be on the lookout for to talk to our parents about that are different from ourselves? For example, when we do our estate plans, I need to know what's happening to my children. My parents, I'm a grown adult, so they don't need to know what's happening to me. Um, but is there anything different that our parents should be looking at that parents of young kids might not need to consider or consider differently?
1: So one of the issues that a lot of when I'm working with clients who are older, that you know, usually we set up for parents with young kids, we set up trusts for them. Um, and that's because the, the children can't manage the money when they're younger. Um, When we have older clients and they have adult children, we, hopefully their children are able to manage the money, but not always, right? Maybe they do have, you know, somebody, a child who's 30, 35, and they have some kind of, you know, substance abuse issue. They're just not great with finances for any reason. They don't want the money to be managed by the child. So making sure that those, you know, protections are in place for that. And then also, so... In those cases, what I recommend is that they leave it to a trust and then someone else is managing that money for the child so that they know, okay, I'm really concerned, especially like if it's, you know, they have some kind of disability or anything like that, that the money is going to be preserved and protected for that child, even though they can't really use it and protect it best themselves. Even for children, adult children who do not have any, you know, who are completely responsible, I always, I, Usually, recommend putting the money into a trust. In any event, and leaving money to a trust. And the reason is that the money that goes into a trust, uh, if you pass away, is protected from creditors. It's protected in the event your child gets a divorce. It doesn't end up with your son-in-law and your daughter-in-law. That's usually a big, big concern. Is you know, I say, well, you know, would it concern you if your money ended up with your son-in-law or your daughter-in-law? No. <laughs> it's usually like yeah. a very big no. And even if they like that person, it's just not who they want their money to go to. But you always, you just never know who, you know, what's going to happen in the future for that marriage, unfortunately. So so that's something that's a big consideration. So I would say that sort of protecting the money for, for your children and then also, and also grandchildren. So making sure, you know, it stays in the family. And then the other piece of it is the incapacity planning that really becomes much more Relevant as people get older, you know planning in the event of you know an Alzheimer's diagnosis or you know increasing dementia or something like that so those are things that sort of the long term care planning that's something that's much more there's a lot more focus on than there is for clients who are younger
0: absolutely and as you were talking about that something came to mind for me so if someone is planning out you talked about grandchildren right they want to make sure that their grandchildren are taken care of should they be specifying the names of their grandchildren or is it my grandchildren, you know, things are divided equally because I could see you create your documents and then perhaps something happens and maybe more grandchildren come along. So it just sort of occurred to me, you know, do we need to be, have them being super specific about the names of people or can some of those pieces be a little more open-ended to deal with the reality that families might grow a little bit? Absolutely. That's a great question.
1: And often, you know, people come to me and they say, oh, I want to leave it to, sometimes it's like their nieces and nephews, or sometimes it's their grandchildren and they name them. And I would say, well, what if they have more kids in between and you're not thinking you're going to update your will because somebody else had kids, right? So, um, so generally we would leave it to, to just say to my grandchildren equally, or, and even, even then I don't generally recommend leaving it to the grandchildren if they're under age, because the same reasons I don't recommend for my own clients to leave it to their children outright. So leave it in a trust or leave it to your own kids to sort of like with just general guidance that you want them to use it for their own kids. But definitely, I would refrain from naming them specifically and just say like to whoever it is, my children, my grandchildren equally. And and that's something that, you know. People tend to do and they tend to think about it that way because they don't think of like, Oh, I'm going to leave it to my grandchildren, like these, my nameless grandchildren. It's like, I'm going to leave it to leave it to Tommy and Susie and whoever. And that's something that, you know, for example, if you're doing it online, they're not going to point that out to you that these are things that like little details that can make a big difference. You know, a grandkid could get left out. And you think, oh, okay, we have, everything is done and it's in in good, good shape. But if you don't have somebody who sees these things and works with them on a regular basis, they're going to miss.
0: Right. I know that just sort of occurred to me that, you know, if someone were incapacitated and and then passes away and there's another grandchild that, or two that add into the mix. Like how sad would that be for everyone? And hard to all of a sudden realize, oh, grandpa left out somebody. And I'm sure that would not be the intent, but yeah, these little details are just so important. So that's why it's. Really key to work with someone like yourself that is going to address all of these nuances and make sure that everyone is protected and taken care of in the way that everyone wants to. So, as we wrap up today, any final thoughts, anything we haven't touched on regarding getting our parents set up with their own estate plans? I mean, I
1: think we covered a lot and just it's really important to just, you know, have that discussion, whatever it may be. And if it's uncomfortable, you know, it's going to be uncomfortable, but it's better to have that discussion than just try to be figuring out also end of life care issues. You know, that's a, something that's coming up a lot these days, right? Of Who's making those decisions, making sure everyone's on the same page. So if your mother or father is on a ventilator, do you want them to be, you know, do they, you want them to be on a ventilator? Do they want more, more importantly, do they want to be on a ventilator and who's making those decisions? And so if you don't have, if they don't have documents stating that and what their their wishes are and if you haven't had those conversations then that's a really really awful decision to make you know I mean it's hard enough as it is but it's really really awful when you're not sure what they would have wanted so I mean and I would say especially in this context that we have now with COVID you know going on and a lot of you know this definitely affects older people And so make sure, you know, maybe even take this opportunity to say, you know, this is something I saw it on the news. I heard on a podcast, like, you know, there, there are people going to the hospital. We need to make sure like, what if something happened, you know, what if you get COVID? What, what if you had to go to the hospital? Like, what would you want? We just need to know, just to know, make sure that we make the decisions that would be best for you.
0: Yeah. That's all really helpful. Again, some of these are just hard conversations, but once you start having them and you get them resolved, you can. breathe that sigh of relief. So Shannon, thank you so much for all this fantastic information today.
1: Oh, it was great being here, Sarah. And I'll just add again that like, this is for the sake of your parents, you know, it's it's not like, okay, I'm doing this. So I know what kind of inheritance I'm getting. This is like taking care of your parents so that they have what they need.
0: And so I think when you take that approach and you think of it that way, it's a lot easier to have those conversations. Absolutely. And then the money piece just sort of falls into that, but it's not, yeah, it's not about what am I getting and when is this happening, but we want you to be taken care of. So yeah, I think that's a great approach. So again, thank you for all the insight and making these tough conversations feel a lot easier. It was great talking to you, Sarah. Now that you know how to start this conversation with your parents and what they need to consider, don't forget to check out our blog for even more useful information. We'd also love to have you as a member of our free community or to join our newsletter. You can do all of that at thesavvyparent.us.